Good morning, everybody. I am um, so glad to be here. I'm glad to see all of you who braved the cold and potential bad weather. Um, but um, on a side note, um, I find it interesting in I, when I think about human beings as, um, as mammals, um, because we're kind of unique in that um, humans are the most vulnerable right, mammals when they're born. Um, they can't reach out for food. They can't uh, crawl onto their mother's back. Um, they just lay there and cry. And um, psychologically, uh, that need for others is um, part of the very essence of what they are, right? Um, the need to belong, the need to be cared for. Um, it's part of our physical, uh, psychological makeup, and it never goes away. Um, Abraham Maslow was a um, American psychologist who, in 1943, published a paper uh, describing the importance of human motivation. And if you've um, ever taken a Psych 101 class in college, at first first year psych, you've uh, undoubtedly seen uh, what they would would become to be called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And Maslow, um, as he looked at human behavior, decided that right after um, safety, personal safety, and having something to eat was the need to belong and the need to be with other people. It is, um, it is inherent to want to belong even to those who would like to be seen as different, right? Um, these kids wanting to rebel uh, still seek out people like themselves that look like them, dress like them, that think like them, and can give them that sense of belonging, even in their supposed rebellion and individuality. Right? It's because of that need to belong that, and the desire to be cared for and cared about that we build, uh, if we build community based on biblical principles and ideas, people will take notice of what we're doing and want to be part of it because they have a need to belong and want to be cared for. Um, last week, Nate talked about building community, right, as we started the book of Philippians. And uh, this week now we're talking about um, the characteristics of community and what a kind of what a community would reflect. And there's, you'll find some overlap um, because Paul repeats certain ideas over and over as he talks to the Philippians about his relationship with them and his ministry. Um, and that's good, right, because that brings out what was important to Paul and makes it clear for us. So the first thing that we find is that a community is an example. In verse, starting in verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has been clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And I think about this, these couple of verses, and I wonder um, what made it clear. Right? How was it clear to everyone why Paul was in prison? Um, and I don't think it was because he pronounced his, innocent, his innocence. Um, he didn't go around claiming he was a political prisoner. Um, demanding his innocence, 
right? The guards don't care. Prison, those who are watching over him don't care about his case. They just, their job is to keep him um, imprisoned until his case comes to court. I think what made it so clear to everybody around Paul was that he lived an example of the gospel. An example not of perfection, not of perfection, but forgiveness. An example not of power and authority, but of healing and caring. An example of Jesus Christ. And we are to be, as a community, we are to be collectively, individually, an example of Jesus Christ. Um, You know, and it's easy to do that when things are going easy and things are smooth. Um, But if you look at Jesus' life, if you look at the apostles' lives, Christianity was built on adversity. It was built on, that's what conflict as threats to people's health and safety. Paul was in prison as he wrote the book of Philippians. Um, So how we react to adversity uh, exposes our inner character, whether we react by striking out at others, um, withdrawing, or reaching out for help. When you live adversity, doubt, and fear, that is when faith and forgiveness um, become real in your life and to people around you. Uh, Margaret and I knew a couple that um, they were wonderful to be around and loved each other, cared for each other, um, and began going to church and began understanding faith and believing um, and learning scripture. And it was, um, it was exciting to see, to see them grow both in, in Christ and in one another. At one point, um, some obviously bad decisions were made, and um, the wife had an affair. And when the husband found out, uh, that was it, right? He, he just he couldn't handle, he couldn't forgive. Okay, is really the short answer. Um, And it was so bad in his mind and in his heart that he turned away from God. And I just, I don't believe, because why would God do this to me? Why would God, because he believed that God caused everything that happened, good and bad. Um, And so I only, I raised this story to to illustrate that he had missed um, the idea of forgiveness. Right? And we can debate um, how to repair those kind of relationships and how people react, but um, the essence of it is um, forgiveness. And that's what was missing. And if, if you model that, if you model forgiveness in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our own will, not in our own understanding, but in Jesus Christ and his example, um, people see that. Verse 14 in our text goes on to say, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And um, our truest example of what we are and how we appear to others, right, as we've said, not comes from our successes but from our struggles and failures, right? The way we become an example of Christ is, when our first reaction to sin is love and forgiveness. Can you imagine the impact um, 
your testimony would have if you had a story of struggle, of pain, um, which we all do, right? We all experience these things in life. And a church family that gathered around you um, and supported you throughout that troubling period, that lifted you up, that carried you, that comforted you, that supported you, no judgment, no fear, just the love of Jesus. That is how a community becomes an example of the light of Jesus Christ. Secondly, a community is the light of Jesus Christ. And I assume some percentage of folks, since we're still early in the year, um, have made um, New Year's resolutions. Uh, I'll tell you, by far, the most popular resolution is to get fit and to get healthy, to eat better, right, and those kind of things. Um, by uh, I think it's 13% of all resolutions fall into that category. And um, to spin this in a, possible, in a positive way, if you make it, if you make that resolution and you make it through February, you have beaten the odds, okay? Most people have failed by um, the first week of February in their resolutions. Now, whether or not it's important or not is besides the point, right? It is, um, it all depends on what we're motivated by, right? Um, I don't make resolutions myself. I, I did for a while. Um, but I found that if I don't have the ability to um, make change, regardless of the time of the year, doing it at the first of the year, right, is not going to help me. I mean, yes, it's, it's a time of change. It's a time of renewal. Um, but it really comes down to understanding um, what motivates us. Paul talks about this starting in verse 15. He says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul is, among a lot of other things, he's really wanting to examine motivations. And he says there's a lot of reasons why people do things. Um, in this case, he's talking about preaching the gospel, and <clears throat> not all of them are noble. Um, there are many reasons why we, each one of us, serve God in some capacity or don't here in the body. Um, whether it's teaching, whether it's serving by giving, whether it's um, serving by helping out, working in the office, preaching, teaching. Um, we don't know what, and we can't worry about what people's motivations are, right? We talked about, we just talked about Paul's boldness and being an example, and being an example will motivate and embolden folks um, to serve God. Right, as Paul says, he says, I don't care what their motives are, Christ is being preached, that's what matters, and because of that, people are being emboldened, right? they're being strengthened by it. And he says, I'm not going to worry about motivates them, I'm not going to worry about what drives them, I'm going to worry about serving God, me, myself, serving God, what my motivations are, and being a good example, and seeing that Christ is preached. 
if we're being an example of Christ everywhere that we go, we will be the light of Christ in a dark world. Being an example means diffusing a heated discussion online um, by showing love and understanding to people who have different viewpoints. It might mean for teenagers um, standing up for somebody who's being bullied at school and befriending them. It might mean for a husband um, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, even on days that she doesn't make it easy. And it might mean wives respecting your husband, even on days when you don't feel like they deserve it. Paul says, don't worry about what other people's motives are. When you preach Christ by your example, we all do one way or another, um, you, preach your, you preach Christ in word and deed for the right reasons in your heart, and you will be an example for everyone. So not only is um, a community the light of Jesus, but a community has also been courageous right, from that. Starting with the second half of verse 18, Paul writes, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And Paul's courage here, we see, is born of two things. Um, prayer and the Spirit of God. These, things are two, are, are, these two things are inexor- inexorably linked. Don't put a word in your sermon that you can't pronounce. Um, and they're, they're linked together, right, throughout Scripture. It, we talk a lot about prayer here at the church, um, and we try and live an example of prayer. Um, we share prayer needs with each other. Um, we pray for each other whenever we get into small groups um, or, as a cap- or, or in a corporate setting like this. Our prayer ministry meets weekly to pray for all the needs. Our elders and leadership, uh, deacons, um, all kinds of leaders get together to pray for the needs of the church. And I find it interesting that Paul doesn't say, I know that through my prayers. He says, I know that through your prayers. Through the prayer support of the Philippian church, um, Paul was granted courage by God to preach the gospel. Right? It wasn't, he wasn't standing on his own. He wasn't in this by himself. He had the backing and the support of not only the Philippians, but others. But he says, I am really emboldened, and God has given me courage because you have prayed for me. Um, they can often be heard talking about um, focusing on prayer and our focus of prayer. And he would, he'll say repeatedly, what would happen, what do you think would happen here and in this community if we all started praying for the same things, right? We all started praying for kids in the nursery. We started praying for the hurting to come here to be healed. If we prayed for marriages to be restored and people to be healed, right? If we all did that together, praying together, this is what Paul is talking about. The prayer um, work of community builds community, right? 
how can you not grow people? How can you not grow closer to people um, when you are earnestly praying for their kids, their cancer, their job search, their marriage? When you plead someone's case before God, how can you not care about them? We sometimes have kind of a funny approach to, about prayer, approach to prayer, and I've fallen into this myself at times. In Scripture, um, the church is described as the, as the bride, um, or I'm sorry, as Christ is the groom, and we, you and I as the church are the bride. And when you accept Christ into your heart and are baptized, right, is when God's Spirit lives within you, and um, it's like a wedding ceremony, right? You're now then wedded um, as part of the bride to Christ. And nothing could be better, right? Everything's great. Everything feels great. Everybody's happy. The world, the sun is shining. The birds are singing. Um, and you're hanging out together all the time with your, with your, the bride and groom are hanging out together all the time. They're talking, um, having some really serious discussions and sharing their heart. And then... The, you don't talk as much, right, in the relationship. Things kind of become a little quieter. Um, the bride starts to disappear for a while, for, for longer and longer periods. And then occasionally the groom will get a call um, from his bride and say, hey, my, uh, my car is broken down. Can you fix it for me? Or, um, hey, I ran out of money this week. Can you wire me some? Does that sound to you like a healthy relationship? sound like a relationship that you would look forward to. Um, I don't think God does either. So prayer and the Holy Spirit are linked together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 19 says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not extinguish the Spirit. In other words, don't let stuff of life, of the world, pile up on the Spirit in your life, God's Spirit living in your life. Don't let it get buried under the muck of the common everyday. Prayer, right, our connection to God, keeps the Spirit of God alive and blazing in your life. Right? See, God will never, ever, ever abandon you. God's Spirit will not leave you. Right? We can ignore God. We can dampen the Spirit by not talking to him, by not living for him in his ways, right? And we can push that down, but God will never abandon us. But we certainly can um, try and abandon him. Romans 8, 26 and 27, very similar to that. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You see, prayer and the Holy Spirit together lead to the kind of courage that Paul had in the absolute worst of circumstances. People are afraid, whether they realize it or not. They're afraid of losing of being alone, of dying. Um, and if they see the courage um, that you have from God living in you, that's something that they will want 
themselves. And when you have courage, you will, just like Paul, persevere. Because a community together perseveres. So I don't have to remind you, um, as a society, 2020 has just been a challenge, okay? Um, and it seems to even be bleeding over a little bit um, into 2021. We kind of hope that New Year would kind of just leave everything, you know, like a rain. It would come wash everything away, and we just kind of start over. But um, don't lose sight of what you have been through personally. I, and not just last year, but the year before that and the year before that. I, I have this really bad habit of comparing myself. Um, and I read about Paul's life when he was in prison and when he wrote Philippians. Um, and then he was in prison before that, right? He was traveling the Roman world, uh, preaching the gospel, sometimes little shelter, um, very little com- uh, companionship. He was stoned um, and beaten. And I read about this and I think, what do I have to complain about? I mean, my life is a paradise by comparison. Um, but it's not about comparison. And we can't get into that, fall into that trap. See, God equipped Paul to do a very specific job. Um, he didn't equip me to do Paul's job. Um, he didn't equip, uh, he did equip me to do my job. And you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? I am an absolute baby when I get sick, okay? I am the worst possible patient. I get the slightest case of the flu or head cold, um, and I'm taking a sick day, and I'm lying curled up on the couch, right? I'm just, I'm useless. Um, Margaret, on the other hand, I will confess for her, um, can have a horrible headache for a week, um, and I'll never know about it, right? She'll never say a word. Uh, so, but the point is that we're all different. We all have different gifts, different struggles, um, and different strengths. Um, yours are no less of a burden than mine, who were no less of a burden than Paul's to him. Paul, in, in, our, in, our, uh, in Philippians 1, starting with verse 20, says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed of you, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And get what Paul is saying, um, because honestly, I would much rather be with God in heaven than here in this life. I love my life, I love my family, I love what I do, um, but praise God, I would much rather be there um, with him. But Paul says, you know, we endure anyway. We'd much rather be with God, but that is not our lot right now. Um, And why does Paul endure? He endures for the Philippians, not for himself, but for them. He wanted to go on because um, he had them to care for. He had them as his community. You know, he had community with them. And having community 
takes the focus off of okay? um, it's easy for us to focus on our hurts, on our circumstances, to the exclusion of absolutely everything else. Having community gives us something else um, to focus on and someone else to serve besides ourselves. Paul wanted their faith to increase by being there to serve them. He says, I'm going to remain so that I can continue to serve you and you will, your, your faith will abound in Christ Jesus. Right? So it not only takes the focus off of us, but it also gives us support that we can't get on our own. Um, it gives us someone to be there for us. Right? As we're focusing on others, others are focusing on us. As long as we're willing to share our burdens and our struggles. And a little, real quickly, a little about that, because one of the most important things that um, Margaret and I learned in um, early in our marriage, talking with one of our pastors at the time, is that marriage is not 50 50. Right? Or, no, it's not give and take, right? That is the, that's the wrong way to describe marriage, right? Because um, if you describe it as give and take, Somebody gives, but then they expect to take, right? And if they don't get what they're expecting, they're disappointed. They're like they're doing everything, and they're not doing anything. But if it's truly give and give, I'm looking out for Margaret's needs and trying to fulfill her needs as I'm aware of them. She's working to fulfill my needs as she's aware of them, and we both are fulfilled, right? Newlyweds, take note. Um, but the problem is that we have to expose ourselves and our weakness. For others to serve us, we have to be transparent. We have to expose ourselves. We have to um, air, our, air our problems, at least with one other person, right? Um, and being vulnerable like that, laying your life bare, um, makes us feel weak. And it's scary, right, especially for us guys, right? We want to be the strong ones. We want to be the courageous ones. We want to protect the family. We're the hunter-gatherer, right? And being um, squishy and sharing our feelings is not really in our nature, but um, we need to. important for our health, our mental health, our emotional health, um, and our relationships' health. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and has been given to us. So all of that, Paul is saying that when we endure trials, right, we persevere and gain hope from it. And we do it together. Right? We do it as a community. is the only way that we're going to persevere. And when we do that, we also stand together in hope. Right? The community stands together in hope. Um, <clears throat> hope is what gives us reason to continue on. Um, Paul wanted to continue in his life he wasn't willing to give up 
because he had hope for the Philippians. After last year and all the turmoil and all of the issues that have gone on and all the questions about what's going to go on, um, you have hope. You have hope for what you're facing um, this year or could be facing. You had hope because of the Philippians, because of the Corinth, even because of the Corinthians, um, because of the Thessalonians. Um, Paul got hope from God and shared hope as being a part of community with these churches. And they with him. Right? You read Paul's letters. He got as much from them or more than they got from him. We're not to fear, but to hope. Because when we are striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, as Paul wrote. So, really, what is the point unless we have hope? Right? The hopelessness is what um, kind of stalls us in place, not knowing what to do next. Um, we endure hardship in our lives because we have hope. We thrive and outcome what this world throws at us because we have hope. We're able to think of others before ourselves because this, as Paul writes, your hope, in, which is your hope in God, this, your hope in God, is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. And you see, this is what attracts people to the gospel. It's not fear and shame, but hope. Show people the hope that you have in God, in spite of everything else that's going on, and the hope that you have in his people, despite however imperfect we may be. And it's not because and we don't have that hope because we're perfect and because life is easy, but because we are imperfect. Why we have hope in God. And because life is sometimes hard is why we have hope in God. And in spite of that, we keep faith with ourselves, I'm sorry, with God and with the other. And when we do that, we have hope. Um, where's the team can go ahead and come on, come on up? Uh, church is like, um, it's like a family reunion. You know, you don't always get to pick who's invited. Um, family is family, right? It is what it is. The church family um, is just, believe me, is sometimes just as weird, um, just as messed up, and just as uncomfortable as the most awkward family gatherings um, that you haven't attended. Um, but God is at work, right, amongst us. Each person is valued. Each person's gifting is vital to the church. And we all share one commonality together, salvation. That's a bond stronger even than blood. This bond allows us to move past minor irritations and work together for the sake of others for the purpose of furthering the gospel. Being an example, shining the light of Jesus, courage, perseverance, hope, these are the things that define community, that make a community what it should be and, and strengthens it. And not just any community, the community of God's people on earth. Right? This is why we're different. This is why 
Uh, this is what we have to offer. And tell me, do you know anyone who has this same thing to offer in this world? Anybody else have the comfort, the hope that we can offer people in Jesus Christ? We need to model this every day. And we need to be examples of these things for a world that has no hope. It's afraid. This world is afraid. And it's in despair. And we do that by modeling it for other first in our lives. If we are a community for each other, we will be a community for those outside the community. Um, we often have invitation. And in a, especially in a small church, that can be a little uncomfortable, the thought of coming forward. Um, but I want to ask you to, if you need some help, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you need um, comfort, right, or you have received encouragement, and if you don't want to do that, God bless you. I don't know that I would either. We have a prayer room that you can go back to, and somebody will pray with you. Um, the elders the leaders, um, Nate and Selah, there are a lot of people willing to pray with you and to talk to you and just to lend an ear if that's what you need um, because that's what we're here for. We're here for community. Um, we're here to build community and to be a community with each other. And we can't do that until we begin to serve um, each other. So um, as needed, I would encourage you to seek out that help. Look for... Um, get here first, right? Because this should be your place of solace and your place of comfort and your place of strength. Um, as we all look towards God 